Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. I'm here with Crane. Hey, guys. <laughs> So were you born in Seattle or? Yeah, I was born in Seattle. Yeah. And then um, when I was eight, my dad got a job down at Stanford. He's a doctor. So, oh. uh, so we moved down. So I don't remember Seattle that well from that age. But yeah, yeah. I'd say I'm from Northern California. Yeah. And are your parents from the area as well? Uh, well, they were in Seattle working. Before that, my dad was from Arizona yeah. and my mom was from Michigan. How do you describe yourself like back then growing up? Um, <laughs> I think I'm pretty much the same. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I was, uh, as like a kid. Well, I grew up in a place called Portola Valley, and it was really cool because it was mostly nature preserve. Oh, wow. Yeah. It almost felt a little bit rural, like no street lights, tons of just like trails and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think me and all my friends were pretty independent yeah. and um, would just kind of wander around Portola Valley and get into trouble we all kind of played music too and we're really into like metal things like that were you playing so, guitar yeah grew up playing guitar yeah was that something that you just kind of wanted to like learn yourself or did you take lessons or I took lessons you? I mean yeah. it's both um yeah I mean I was super into you know bands like Tool and Marilyn Manson and oh. Rob Zombie so yeah I took it to was it your friend showing you like that more band stuff or I mean not I had an older brother and so anything he liked was like yeah. super He also showed you like cool. SoundCloud and stuff, right? Yeah, so he's actually in some ways credited for the whole producer thing starting. Um, I had a buddy that I know like made beats and electronic music. And um, yeah, as soon as my brother, he showed me like Team Supreme and oh, what was wow. going on down here in the beat mm -hmm. scene. Right at the same time that I was kind of looking for a new hobby outside of work. Yeah. And again, like grew up playing music, but not producing at all or knowing like anything about electronic music and I just kind of fell in love with it yeah what well, does your brother produce or no not at all he's, he's just, just like uh, a music fanatic yeah he just loves music yeah so. what kind of music were your parents playing in the house um god my parents listened to a lot of like kind of Bob Dylan and Simon and Garfunkel mm -hmm. actually a lot of like flamenco and Spanish music a lot of jazz oh, wow. as you well you listen to a lot of jazz yourself too yeah, yeah so probably I got into it from them but then just kind of took it and ran with it, so. Yeah. Yeah, and partly, you know, playing guitar, playing an instrument, um, you know, for me, there's sort of a fork. Like, you either get really into, like, classical stuff and that avenue, or you start drifting more towards, like, improvisation and jazz mm. and things like that, yeah. and that's, that's just where I went. What did your mom do? Or She's a nurse now? practitioner. Oh, so they, okay. my parents so actually met. The yeah, they met in uh, medical school. Did you feel like you had academic pressures growing up? <laughs> I mean, that's funny you asked that because I was thinking about that today. Um, <laughs> I think I put the pressure on myself because, mm -hmm. you know, both my parents were, uh, you know, super educated and highly employed, oh. as well as my brother, who is like academically always been really strong. Oh. And, you know, after college, he started his own businesses and stuff yeah. like that. So I think I put pressure on myself. Yeah. to pursue a more 
um, adult career at yeah. first in college and then afterwards. And then, um, yeah, I mean, it never made me totally happy, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then when I found the music thing and that started growing, it, you know, it was an opportunity just to see if yeah. this could make me happier, something yeah. totally different, something where I wasn't using my education or anything like that. And, uh, yeah, it's worked out so far. Yeah. What kind of subjects were you, like, strong at or that you really liked back in, like, high school? <laughs> I mean, I, w I think I was, like, a good student potentially, but potentially. kind of an underachiever. Um, I mean, the stuff I did well in were things that I enjoyed, I realized. And, you know, things like math sciences, like, I always had... It's genetic! I always had, like, a good brain for them, but I never got good grades in them because I didn't like them. Oh. And so I would try as little as possible to just pass yeah. and um, that kind of carried through in college as well. I never aspired to like go to graduate school or anything like that so I kind of quickly yeah. stopped thinking grades mattered really. Yeah. Did you like creative subjects like music or were you not or were you creative growing up? Or I didn't so, so? really I mean I always drew yeah and then that kind of segued into using things like Photoshop and Illustrator and doing yeah. more like graphic design and then I always played music obviously so I never thought of those things, though, as, like, a career pursuit. Yeah. And um, never felt comfortable with the idea of, like, trying to be a musician, mostly based on, like, the musical tastes I had, because to me, being a musician was, like, being in a band, and I wasn't that guy. Or, you know, playing the music I loved the most at the time, which was jazz, and I knew I'd never, I'd never make it in that. I mean, that's, like, all or nothing. I'm not going to be good enough. Um, Why not? I think it just requires a commitment level mm. to get there. And then even with all the talents, it just takes something a little bit extra yeah. because it's, you know, it's supply and demand. Like there's just not as much demand for that kind of music. So finding producing and then learning about this whole world was just incredible because I realized unlike these other genres where you're either like huge and you've made it or you're mm. struggling and you're super poor, you know, yeah. not making any money, there's almost this like middle class in electronic music of people mm -hmm. that are like, they're not rich, yeah. but they're paying their bills yeah. and they're doing this full time. And so that's what's been really cool about it. Yeah. So as soon as the producing thing started happening and I started learning about it, you know, there was this moment where I was like, wow, like this could be a career. Yeah. This could be like a real job. And then in college, did you study like design, like product design or? Yeah, I did um, what was called industrial design mm. and interaction design. So, yeah. you know, people ask if like that has, if I like study, because I do all, for the most part, all the artwork yeah. and branding stuff. But, you know, I think that just came from the hobby of like drawing and doing graphics and stuff like mm. that because the degree was, it was more like architecture, if anything. Oh, wow. Um, than like Were straight graphic really design. It? No. <laughs> I thought I was into it. I thought I really should be into it. Yeah. I always kind of admired and was jealous of the kids that like this was for sure their calling. Yeah. They loved it. But you know, those were people that like when class was over, when the work was done, they still wanted to like be immersed in the design oh, world. Yeah. And I I just couldn't do that. Um, and even when I had a you know started working in that field, it was hard for me I think because I felt like I should have loved it more mm. than I did. Yeah. And I was doing it successfully, but um 
But yeah, I mean, I think that's how a lot of people feel about work, though. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily a bad thing until someone shows you this other opportunity yeah. and you're like, oh, this like this could be my job. I could yeah. like turn a hobby into my job. But what did you love about it, like initially? Like design? out of all the different subjects you chose design. I mean, I had like four or five different ideas of what to do in college. Honestly, it got to a point where I had to pick something. Mm. And I didn't know what design was till a certain class. I liked um, I liked thinking about what people wanted. You know, it wasn't an art degree. It wasn't just like creating things for yourself. It was very much about like thinking about your audience or your users or whatever words. Like who's the person that's going to use or experience the thing that you're making. And I guess that was the part that was exciting for me. Yeah. Was thinking about other people. Yeah. And not just being like egotistical about what I think mm -hmm. people should be enjoying and that, that has definitely carried through to music too because like I like so many different kinds of music and I feel like I can make the most people happy by pursuing electronic music which I love and dance music and stuff like that now but you know I was kind of like a late bloomer I guess <laughs> for that so you started electronic music like February 2013 or something yeah something so during I'm really bad with college. dates but yeah I'm such a dates person I don't know why it's like so easy I for have me such to a remember. hard time with them <laughs> <laughs> so that was during college or that's or I think I think it was after really yeah. that I kind of I mean I had heard there was stuff in college I was listening yeah. to and I remember I made like two little beats in garage band but I never really took it seriously like, yeah. I didn't know about what was going on like with the club scene or at festivals or with DJs and I didn't know really until what well, I don't remember what date it was but starting to get into like Team Supreme, Selection, actually all the stuff that was happening down here in LA yeah and then from there like just hearing what was going on was so exciting and also knowing that like this is something I can do by myself I don't have to get all my friends together, a bunch of people together, and form a band. I'm not going to be good enough at music to be, like, a solo guitar act, nor do I, like, want to. Yeah. But, like, this is something I could do. Make whole songs mm -hmm. just by myself at home. So, yeah, I just got super hooked on it. Yeah. And then what was the, the kind of work that you were doing day-to-day -day as, like, a product designer? Like, what did you design? Um, I bounced around a little bit, but um, I think... The last job I had, which was the longest, was at a consulting firm, and I worked on all sorts of stuff. Most of it I cannot talk about, <laughs> Damn but it. a lot of actually like public sector things, a lot of products and services for healthcare. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was cool. It would be like these teams where everyone has different skills come together. You have a client, and they have a question, like basically, what should we do with our business? Mm -hmm. And we'd go through these design projects with them. Yeah. So it was cool. Until it wasn't. <laughs> and then at the same time, like, after work, were you just, like, reading up online, like, how to send your music out, like, how to... Yeah, I mean, I was, YouTube. I was, it was, like, a little project, so I would actually wake up before work. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, super early, get, like, an hour or two of producing in, what? show up that to work. like, 6 a.m., <laughs> crazy. Yeah, show up to work a little late. <laughs> Maybe I would, like, open up Ableton on my lunch break, too, um, and then do it after work. I was working a lot. I would take the bus from Oakland to San Francisco. Um, so I'd like, I'd open up my laptop oh, and I have yeah. like 30 minutes to do something on the bus. Mm -hmm. So I was just kind of fitting it in everywhere. And at the same time, you know, it's really fun to put the stuff up on SoundCloud, start hitting up bloggers. And it was just like a little for fun project. Yeah. 
Um, and I didn't really know what I was doing until I started growing and yeah. I started taking it more seriously and then like would-be managers are hitting me up to talk. Were you always going by Crane or did you have a different moniker when you first started? Uh, <laughs> well, technically, yes. <laughs> though it was spelled differently. Oh. And I, already, I still feel bad about that because... Um, <laughs> SoundCloud used to not let you double up on the uh, usernames. And yeah. my last name's Crane. Yeah. So I remember like pulling the A out because there was some other Crane. And I wasn't thinking about this as a career. Oh. I, I didn't like show a bunch of people this name yeah. and like ask them how to say it or spell it. Yeah. Like I hope I would have done if I was taking this seriously. And then it just sort of stuck. But it was always problematic because people would pronounce it Kern yeah. or Carne like or Crinny or all sorts of crazy yeah. shit and then like people would be like arguing online how to say oh it my gosh. or debating and I just felt <laughs> bad I just felt guilty because I would tell everyone like dude just say it however the fuck you want like say it however you want this yeah. is my fault um, but then like finally put the A back in after a lot of procrastinating it was always the intention once I like decided to do oh they have boba oh yeah <laughs> hey, where did you guys get that boba? Awesome, thank Sweet. you. All right, we're getting boba. <laughs> Damn, that's the um, chances of that. But yeah, I was. I always said crane, but I was saying it wrong. Everyone was saying it wrong. Yeah. Until A went back in. Did your like a colleagues or like boss find your music online? Uh, yeah, that has happened. <laughs> and actually, I had a former coworker at IDEO who did some producing and DJing on the side actually sent his music in for this sessions project I do where I like yeah. open my inbox and collaborate with people. That was funny to see. Oh I remember gosh. there was an intern at my last job too that um, like somehow discovered that I worked at this company and he was actually it was really funny because he was like a fan. He was super excited and then you know he realized I worked there so like we got lunch and <laughs> he wanted to ask me questions about yeah. producing and stuff so but not often. Yeah. I mean, people knew when I quit. Yeah. I told them why I was leaving. And most yeah. people had no idea, though, like, that Damn. I was doing this at all. <laughs> or that, like, maybe that sick day I called in Friday I actually played a show. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> was the turning point kind of, like, we're just playing a lot more shows that you couldn't even work, kind of, or? Yeah, the, like, the demand for shows and to actually, like, see if this thing could work. I realized you know, my nine to five was actually preventing me from doing it. Where like up until a certain point, I could totally play a weekend show once in a while, yeah. produce, you know, a few hours a day and on the weekends and still have a full-time job. And it, it wasn't a big deal. Cause again, it was like a hobby. Yeah. So it didn't feel like this job was eating it away at this other thing I wanted to do. And then at a certain point when I realized I really wanted to give it a go, that's when, you know, the kind of demand was there. I realized there was enough on my plate to do this full time. And I gave myself like a year. I said, mm -hmm. um, you know, if I'm not optimistic after a year that this could be a full time thing, I could pay my bills with it and feed myself that I would quit. Yeah. And yeah, and it, it's so far so good. Yeah. And what is it like actually going from like a full time thing to like a more of like a freelance shop? Was yeah. something like surprising to you? What was surprising to me was that I was worried that I was going to slack off a lot. Like if I didn't have the nine to five thing and the desk and the boss, that I wouldn't like be productive. Yeah. And um, and I realized it was what was surprising was like the opposite. As soon as I was just oh, accountable wow. to myself, 
I actually worked way more, way more efficiently, and I was more committed to what I was doing. Um, so I think that's just a personal thing. Like whether it's music or something completely different in ten years, I think I'll be self-employed. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Or run my own business or something because I just I work better that way. Yeah. And um, I think a lot of people watching this are like maybe thinking of making the jump or something. But yeah. Was it difficult like? financially because you had like a set thing that you knew that would come into your like bank like every month totally like, every year and like... I had to plan it out and everyone's life is different everyone has different requirements for how much they need to make every month and for me that's what I was like the whole year thing where I knew what I needed every month to be okay I knew what I had saved I kind of planned out what needed to happen over the next year yeah and again if I didn't feel like it was growing then you know it's a I can get another job and do this on the side yeah. again. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had to be kind of strategic about that. We got the tarot, mm -hmm. <laughs> bubble tea now. <laughs> what would you say was like the big milestone after you like quit your job and was starting to work on it full time to like get more and more of your music out there? I mean, I don't think there was like one. Yeah. The whole thing's been just kind of like a slow, gradual build. Mm -hmm. I know some people and some buddies have gotten like some cosign or like one release that just like mm -hmm. exploded them but for was it me, just like vlogs picking up more and more or yeah and it's just like getting back what you put into it you know like developing more and more relationships with press people yeah. or other producers but everything just feels like it's kind of built on itself a couple years ago playing the do lab stage at mm. coachella and stuff yeah. like that but or like getting on the Nightmare Slander tour support. Yeah, yeah that, all, all of those stuff. are awesome. But it yeah. wasn't like I went from nothing to that. Yeah. To me. Like they kind of all felt like steps up, but not like this huge leap. Yeah. And so, yeah, maybe that'll happen, maybe not. But as long as it's growing, I'm yeah. happy. How did the Dimac stuff happen? Um, I think we had been kind of always lightly in touch with them. Mm -hmm. And various other labels. And then... Um, you know, pretty much, except for like some remixes and compilations, we've I've self-released everything, and um, just not seen like that much of a reason to go with the label, kind of until now. At which, like, you know, some of the things we want to do require like more support and like a label partner. So it was kind of an experiment to see what it would be like, and they seemed like really good people they're really enthusiastic about the project so you know yeah. we talked about this album with them and they wound up um partnering on the release of it looking back like what do you think you learned from the label release um i'm, I'm not sure yeah i mean it's still pretty recent and like it takes a little while to kind of take a step back and say like what did we learn from this but i mean I think so long as the like terms are good and make sense and they're fair, which they're usually gonna be, um, you know, you just need to go into it and know what you're trading. Yeah. You're like trading part of your ownership for hopefully like broader reach and a bigger group of people pushing the music and stuff like that. So it's been really good working with Denmark and they've been, you know, they put a lot of heart into the project and. We're just overall great people with it. Yeah. So. How did you come up with the Accession series? Um, so like when I started, and this was just for fun, I was putting up like beats like every week and just like rough stuff and casual things. And I really liked doing that. 
And then as the project got a little bit more serious, I kind of wanted to like be more selective about what I released. Um, and just felt like though at the same time, all this stuff, I was making all these things, I wanted an outlet still to like play around and do things that might not fit on an album or be the next really big single, but were just still really fun things. Plus, I love working with other producers. So it was just kind of logical. It was like, what if create this whole side thing, whatever it is, give it a name, people can, you know, send in their rough beats and I get to work on them with them. Yeah. And then hopefully they get something in return, they get some more exposure. You know, a lot of these kids have like a really small following mm. and are being discovered from the SoundCloud or me posting about it and stuff like that. So yeah, it was just kind of a way to like keep putting stuff out there yeah. and keep working on things and keep learning as well. Yeah. What do you, what is it like? Um, Cause you have such a big background in like design to do your, <laughs> Am I getting this? Oh my god. Hi puppy. You look so small though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, of like doing your own artwork, do you feel like because you've grown up with such like a big like design background that you're able to have like more like inspirations and like draw back from like, like old stuff and like... Yeah, I mean like, well I think the difference is that like yeah, one, broader inspirations, I guess. But more is like I can execute it. Yeah. And I can sketch and things like that. So if I have like some rough ideas, you know, I don't have to share them with some other person and hope what they send back kind of reflects back at it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been cool. I get to do that stuff myself. And I know it's really resonated with people. Um, and I know how important like the whole package is um, in terms of, you know, music or a brand. I remember like having CDs and like just how important the album art was and the unpackaging experience. Yeah. So I think about like what's what's today's equivalent of that. Um, yeah. But I it is getting to a point where like, you know, now I have the ability to hire some people yeah. and work with them. So for the album, that 3D scene, um, I actually hired another artist that I had found who's in the Philippines to work on that oh wow and then you know give feedback and try to like design it together but ultimately like i don't do 3d rendering stuff like that yeah. so yeah so it's cool how about let go yeah a bit. what kind of artists other than musicians are you inspired by <laughs> i don't know i mean inspired in terms of like makes me want to make music not or really. like for like life illustrators I mean, or like painters I don't know I don't know <laughs> names I just like dig around Instagram and on the internet and blogs and things like yeah. that but I kind of only dig around when I want to make something I don't yeah. just like consume that stuff all the time yeah I mean once in a while if I see something I'll like bookmark it but um, yeah I don't have yeah. a good answer for that <laughs> How do you think your music has changed since the early songs you made? Uh, hopefully it's gotten a lot better. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's gotten simpler in some ways, yeah. which is hard to do. You know, it's easy to like keep adding to a song and adding and adding. And I think I've gotten better at like self-editing and not trying to do too many things in one song. Um, in terms of like sound design or the drums or like even the arrangement 
I think it's gotten, you know, the more shows I play, and the more I've been touring, the more I think about how I want my music to show up in that setting. Whereas, mm. you know, before I was touring at all and just making beats, I never thought about what it would be like for a DJ to yeah. like pull this up. Um, it was just like headphones music and listening at home. So I think I've just gotten better at executing the sound and style that mm-hmm. I've always gravitated towards. Yeah. And it's a tough question. It's hard for me to describe my own music mm-hmm. because when I hear other people describe it back to me, it can be really different sometimes. So I'm like hesitant to over articulate what my music sounds like mm-hmm. because I feel like one, it kind of biases people and two, it's like, you know, however they want to interpret it is totally valid. So actually what's the decision behind still staying in Oakland? Why did I stay in Oakland? Yeah. Not move here? Yeah. Because I like Oakland. Yeah. I like the Bay Area. And, uh, I mean, I like L.A. I love L.A. And it would definitely be better for my music career to be down here. But I prefer Northern California for living and hanging out and doing things for fun. And, like, the whole point of this music thing was to, like change things so that my life was more fun yeah and that I enjoyed my like Monday to Friday more so I felt like moving down to LA would kind of go against that whole approach yeah would it just be like like, too constant for you you just want to get a break or no I mean I could take breaks it's it's just what would I be doing on those breaks and like with Northern California I have so much friends there I have family there I love the climate more and, Mm. like, the access to, like, the ocean or forests or mountains, like, trips on weekends. I love it down here and there's lots of cool stuff to do. Yeah. But, like, what it's like to live down here is just, it's a different lifestyle. Yeah. So, I don't know. I like visiting. It keeps it special. Yeah. (laughs) What would you say have been your biggest challenges so far? Um, Working less has been hard. Because, again, I went from this employment thing to, like, being self-employed and having to, like, tell myself to stop working and take weekends. So, like, balancing free time, seeing Mm. friends and family and relationship time and all that sort of stuff. um, While, like, having this constant nagging in the back of my head that says, like, I could be working right now. Yeah. Like, that that next (laughs) single is, like, could be born today. Um, But other than that, I mean, travel, actually. Travel is really hard. Um, shows are easy, shows are great and fun and I love them, but like flights and hotels, you just get so tired, airport food, like security lines. Um, but for the most part, I think it's easier than, than having a job that I had before. I mean, it's still like the hard parts are like the minority of it. Yeah. What does success look like to you? Mm, Thinking about music all day. Yeah. Getting paid for it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to be 50 years old and DJing. But I hope when I'm 50, I'm still getting paid to, in some capacity, think about music all day. Mm-hmm. Ideally, making it or helping people make it. But, you know, I'm also realistic because I did the whole 9 to 5 thing. And I realized that it's okay if your job sometimes feels like a job. If it's partly yeah. fun, like you're winning. Yeah. So, 
I think just being involved in music. Yeah. I mean, it's something that for fun, I've always just been so interested in, thought about, spent so much energy on. So to be able to couple that with like something that pays is incredible. Mm -hmm. How do you say you've grown as a person since when you started? Um, I think I've gotten happier. Yeah. And in some ways, like, this job kind of forces you to do it. Um, you know, there's so much, like, insecurity, potentially, in doing this kind of work and, like, comparing yourself to others yeah. and the constant feeling of, like, where you could be. Mm. Unlike so many other careers where it's, like, pretty mapped out how you will progress. Yeah. When you will get promotions and what yeah. you need to do to get there that like this feeling of being left behind potentially or like missing your opportunity can be like a really stressful thing. So in turn, like, you know, since being becoming a producer and self-employed, like learning how to like shut that off yeah. and not worry about it and like appreciate what's going on and then like turn it back on a little bit mm -hmm. when you need that like kick in the butt. Yeah. But I think that's just made me happier overall. Because I, you know, I think the less you compare yourself to others and the less or the more you just kind of accept where you're at, you're going to just be a happier person. Yeah. yeah. Last question. What do you want to be remembered for? I don't know. <laughs> By like the world? When I'm dead? Up to you. Yeah, I guess so. I don't really care what the world thinks of me when I'm dead. I probably don't care about anything because I'm dead. But like ideally... People who know me as friends and family and yeah. things like that. I don't know. I just made their life better, I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, like, everyone else will think whatever they want. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Love that. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. This was oh. fun. See you. Bye. Bye, guys.